This is Mike Levitt, a co-founder of the Accountable Care Learning Collaborative. Our nation is faced with two very important, but sometimes competing priorities. We have a duty to provide the best possible health care for every patient, but we must also remain competitive in a global marketplace. That's what value-based care is all about. Our challenge is to create a uniquely American system of health care. Truly, we're in a race to make value work. Welcome to season one of The Race to Value, a weekly podcast hosted by Dr. Eric Weaver and Daniel Chipping of the Accountable Care Learning Collaborative. The ACLC is a nonprofit organization focused on accelerating industry readiness for success in value. With its competency-based framework for health value, the ACLC is working with healthcare organizations all over the country to create the workforce of tomorrow. Come join Eric and Daniel as they engage the executives, clinicians, and entrepreneurs who are leading this race to value. Welcome to Race to Value. This week, we have Dan McMaster, Director, Strategy and Business Development, 3M Health Information Systems. I learned a lot in our conversation today, Daniel, with Dan McMaster. I did not realize how innovative 3M Health Information Systems is and what they're doing to provide business intelligence and analytics for provider organizations looking to succeed in value-based care. As a business unit of 3M Healthcare, they're a billion-dollar company, and they're doing some pretty amazing work. Eric, I totally agree. What a great conversation we just had with Dan. They serve 8,000 healthcare organizations across the world with clinical documentation and risk assessment services. As you mentioned, with a, a billion-dollar business unit, they're in 80% of the hospitals across the U.S. with 250,000 physicians. They work with federal and state governments and health plans in 25 countries. They're just doing so much and they've been engaged with the ACLC since 2017 and have been active in the peer learning with provider organizations. Eric, I really got to say this isn't just a company that makes sticky notes and tape. These guys are for real. I completely agree, Daniel. I learned so much about 3M Health Information Systems and not only are they active in innovation in value-based care, but they also contribute to the healthcare industry through elimination of waste and automation. They're doing so much great work. I think our listeners are really going to enjoy learning about Dan McMaster and 3M Health Information Systems and what they're doing to lead the way in this race to value. Dan McMaster, welcome to Race to Value. Hi, Eric. Nice to be with you. Well, Dan, I always enjoy our conversations together because you're such a big thinker when it comes to big data. That being said, I thought the best way to start our conversation today would be to discuss the wide-reaching implications of data intelligence and value-based care. So just think about this for a moment. From the dawn of civilization until the early 2000s, humankind generated about five exabytes of data. 
Now fast forward to the modern day, and I think we produce about five exabytes of data every two days. And I remember reading about something that came out from the World Economic Forum, and they said the digital universe is expected to reach 44 zettabytes, whatever that is, by 2020. So if that number's correct, it means that we're going to have about 40 times more bytes than there are stars in the observable universe. So I just can't help but think about what this data explosion means to the healthcare industry in its transition to value. So let me get to the point here. If we are to live in a future when the entire health system is aligned with improving outcomes, we need optimal business intelligence. And it isn't going to come just from EHRs. It's going to require financials and claims and ADT feeds and credit scores and whatever else we need to build a 360-degree view of the, the patient's health and well-being. And we have to not only build all these additional pipes, but we have to take data from EHRs, which are, as I understand, about 80% of it's unstructured, and we have to make it usable. So 3M Health Information Systems really seems to be on the forefront in helping healthcare org organizations get more visibility into their analytics in order to help them transition to value from volume. So can you describe to our listeners how 3M is approaching some of the big data challenges to create actionable insights needed by healthcare organizations to improve population health outcomes? Absolutely, Eric. Happy to do it. And those were some impressive stats, by the way, and I, I probably got lost in all of the stats, but they were impressive. So for 3M, we try to make it as practical and concrete as possible. As I know there's a lot of buzzwords out there, but I'll give you two areas with a couple of concrete examples. So the first is on the health plan side. So we ingest claims data and we do that longitudinally. We process the data, we group the data, and then we enrich that data to help generate health measures that can be used to measure risk or health status of an individual patient or a, a population of people. And just to give you a couple examples of, of those measures, one would be something we call a PPR or a potentially preventable readmission. What that would be is to measure a return to a hospital after complications from a heart surgery, for example. But it's smart enough to then delineate between someone who might have also had that heart surgery, but then got in a car accident the next day and was admitted to the ER. That's one example of a measure. And another one is something we call a CRG or a clinical risk group. And I like to call this a FICO score for healthcare. And I'm not sure how many of the people, how many of the everyday population realize or recognize that, that they have a health risk score. And so we're able to look at a population and give everyone an individual score from one to seven. So that would be from, from healthy, high risk to uh, and sick to, to healthy, but also further stratify that from one to 1600. So there's a, a way for us to have a view of our, our collective health status today, snapshot in time, but then also see how that changes over time. So those are just two examples of measures we get from all processing all of this data. And we use that for commercial health plans. So take Wellmark, Blue Cross, Blue Shield in Iowa, for example. They use these measures for their population in Iowa. We do it for states at the state level. So for New York or the state of Maryland, for example. We also do this across the country. So CMS is a customer and we, we just recently published some of these measures and data uh, publicly to be available to look across the entire country 
how we're doing by state, how we're doing by region across eight or nine of these key population measures. So those are some ways to really, and by the way, you can add that up and, and identify that there's $8 billion of cost saving opportunity while improving healthcare outcomes in different areas of, of our country. So that, that would be one side of it and how we use and process this data. The other side, which is equally, or in fact, or maybe more compelling is what we do on the care provider side. We ingest and process millions of clinical documents a day, and we surface insights real time to the clinician or physician while they're dictating a record or typing a clinical note. And we're very excited about that possibility. I think of it much like you're typing a Google help search or a, a Google search, or you're typing in your email and it already finishes the sentence for you. In a similar way as a clinician is typing, we can help finish those sentences clinically by all of that AI behind the scenes that we process for the physician. Hopefully that helps answer your question. Dan, you've really illustrated how innovative 3M is and, and has been over the last number of years in providing value-based care, business intelligence that impact quality outcomes and cost reductions. And invariably, Dan, we have listeners who never really knew that 3M was in healthcare analytics and business intelligence, let alone healthcare at all. You know, they think of you as a massive industrial conglomerate, Fortune 500 company with 60,000 products that you're most well known for post-it notes and scotch tape and so maybe uh, sandpaper. And now N95 and now N95 masks, yeah. Uh, Band-aids, lint rollers, a few other things, right? So, but you've actually been, as is obvious in, our, in your answer to the last question, a leading innovator in healthcare data aggregation and analysis. And if I have the numbers right, uh, the health information systems division within 3M, which is part of a larger business group on health, is actually a $1 billion enterprise that you've built from 15 acquisitions. You've experienced significant organic growth as well in the last 35 years. I'd be interested if you could help us understand a little bit more about 3M's position in the healthcare market broadly, and then help us focus down onto the 3M health information systems and how you and your role fits into the larger organization. A second part of that question is, you know, how did that evolve as we look at the, the journey that 3M's had in over the past 35 years, where you started with coding and revenue cycle optimization as your initial drivers into the healthcare intelligence space. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that journey. Sure, happy to do that. So you're correct. We are part of the health information systems division at 3M over a billion dollars now is part of a broader healthcare business at 3M. The healthcare business itself is about $8 billion. And most of those roots stem from medical supplies in selling to hospital systems. We also have oral health products and other very fascinating healthcare technology products. And by the way, like you mentioned, that $8 billion is part of a broader $32 billion 3M, which has about 80,000 employees worldwide. So yes, it's a large company, but we do get that question a lot. How did a material science company known for sticky stuff and abrasive stuff get into healthcare analytics. And it's it's a fascinating history. Maybe I'm a little biased, but 
the roots actually are in Utah and Washington, D.C. for this health information systems business. And maybe that's why we like Governor Levitt so much and the ACLC, because we know he's spent quite a bit of time and done some great work in both uh, Utah and Washington. But this all stemmed out of a PhD thesis at the University of Utah in the late 70s and the early 80s. And that thesis was in automating coding and classification of medical procedures. Before that time, everything was done uh, with coding books, kind of like a library catalog. So this John Morgan at the University of Utah figured out a way to do this in an automated fashion with computers. The technology, of course, computing power was a little different in the early 80s. So he outfitted an entire RV with this mainframe computer to power this coding technology. And he drove around the country, hospital to hospital, and would pit his technology against manual coders in the hospital. I, I love the passion. I love the innovation. But out of that came this compelling coding automation application in software that hospitals use. And today, you have 70 to 80% of the U.S. hospitals using now 3M's coding and classification tools. And that's evolved to now a very robust a version of this called 360 Encompass, which uses NLP, natural language processing, and AI behind it. So that's been a fascinating history, but also just a fantastic business for 3M that just continues to grow. But parallel to that, which maybe isn't well as well known, almost at a similar time in the early 80s in Washington, the Reagan administration was looking to find a way to cap some of the runaway costs for healthcare and Medicare. And there was a group out of Yale University and a man by the name of Rich Averill who helped work together to concept of the DRG system, the diagnosis-related group. And that innovation really led to the foundation of the prospective payment system with the intention of really helping to manage and capitate costs. And so 3M also acquired that business and entity. And from that, we've now created versions and permutations of that DRG system or in 20 different countries of the world. And we also have numerous other measures that I alluded to that we now have created over the last 30 years for CMS, for states, and for health plans. So in parallel, we've had this health plan business. And by the way, that was complemented by another acquisition just in 2014, about five years ago, with some more robust population health analytics on top of those methodologies. So we've had this strong provider or hospital business helping hospitals be more effective and productive on the revenue cycle side. We've also been working with health plans at methodologies and ways to try to help measure and capitate and manage costs. And the combination of that provider and payer interaction has made, I think, a very compelling and attractive business. Now, all of that said, I will say we were missing, in my view, one important leg of the stool. You'll hear me talk about three legs of the healthcare stool that all should be focused on the patient. But that's the hospital, the provider, the payer, but there's also the, the clinician or the physician. And we just made an acquisition in 2018 of a company called M-Modal, which is tool is, is used by about 250,000 physicians. And that started as a speech recognition 
tool for dictation and automating the documentation process. And what that's evolved to is a very smart natural language understanding engine that gives these real surfaces, these real-time alerts and notifications that I alluded to, to the physician at the point of care. So I'm quite excited about these, these pieces that we have here at 3MHIS. I think what gets me most excited is our ability to really put the three legs of the stool together in tackling uh, this race to value, as you call it. So Dan, I have to ask you about this, but 3M is just an absolutely massive company. And when you think about massive companies like yours and innovation, they don't necessarily go hand in hand. I mean, the conventional wisdom is that innovation and disruption can only truly spring from Silicon Valley with developers and entrepreneurs that are working in startup hubs and startup companies. An example, we just had you know David Nace on our show with Innovacer, and he talked about the work that they were doing. So as I learned more about 3M, I realized that you guys aren't the quote unquote typical mega corporation when it comes to innovation. And I found out in just learning about the history of 3M, the story about the post-it note. And it's a really fascinating story. You know, in 1968, Dr. Spencer Silver, who was a scientist at 3M, he was trying to develop a super strong adhesive and he accidentally created this low-tack reusable pressure sensitive adhesive instead. And it took him five years of promoting a solution without a problem within 3M, hitting a brick wall time after time. And then I think it was someone in the company that started using the adhesive kind of sticky note as a bookmark. And then some attention was gained internally and then new product development took it. And, and it took them another four years to finally, I think, take it to market, you know, in 1977. So it, it almost took, I think, nine years for that to happen. And it seems like when learning about that story that 3M learned a great deal from that experience. And I think it makes you uniquely positioned as a large cap innovator. And I think most healthcare organizations, large or small, really need a similar type of culture that you have there when it comes to value-based care innovation. I mean, I, I remember reading about how it takes, for example, 17 years for evidence-based medical research to actually reach clinical practice. So all that said, how does 3M reconcile the high internal expectations to build testable market hypothesis and compile the evidence to prove them out over a long time period versus removing those structural obstacles and making testing and learning and all that in process go faster? Can you explain to our listeners how 3M approaches systematic innovation when it comes to bringing solutions to the healthcare market so that we can win this race to value? Yeah, great topic and appreciate that you've done your homework on 3M. I'm impressed and I, I love that. In fact, I would love to have you guys sometime come to St. Paul and go through our innovation center. It's basically a science museum just filled with stories like your post-it notes. There's hundreds of these stories that have been going on at 3M and it's creative story after creative story. It's fascinating how each of these technologies have come to be. And I think people love going through that and playing with the products and hearing the, the stories behind the inventions. So I love that. What I would say is you also made a great point here. The larger you become and the more successful you become, the more tempting it can be to assume you know everything. And we, we run into that problem at 3M. It's, it's a big challenge. Your success makes it harder, in my view, to 
listen to the customer and, and trust their needs versus your own. And so we constantly fight that urge to want to build everything you know, behind a wall in a back office that we know best and want to perfect it and then roll it out all at once, right? That's the, the temptation and that's the gravitation with your success. What we're really working on is what would be referred to as agile methodology, also known as scrum or other thinking where you really have to start small. We look at our roots and how all of these innovations came and it, the common theme in all of these was listening to a customer, observing the problems that the, the customers were facing and then starting small, building a, a prototype or a, a concept or a test and then collaboratively working with the customer to innovate and build on that as it grows. And I think that that's critical. And of course, behind all of this has to be a passionate individual and team that are really committed to solving that problem. And ironically, I'll tell you, we've actually had to relearn some of this from Modal, the company we just acquired. This is what made 3M 3M, yet we've watched Modal do this very well, and in some cases, better than we've been doing recently. So one example that they have is with a, a HCC management tool, which is used for Medicare Advantage. I think this is going to be revolutionary. I think it's going to be key to driving this Medicare Advantage growth in the future and one of our, our bigger innovations. But today, we're only piloting this with maybe 10 to 15 customers. And we started that with just an idea and a simple prototype with one or two customers. And all the bugs and kinks are still not worked out of it, but we see the value and we're working alongside the customer. And frankly, I think that process is what's going to create an outcome that does have a potential to change something in the long term. So that's one really important example for 3M. One other that I'll just mention that we're doing, particularly in the healthcare technology space, is the recognition that we are part of an ecosystem and we're not an island in itself. And by the way, that's also a challenge when you're a big company because you just tend to think the world revolves around you when you get as big and successful as companies like 3M. But the reality is we need to be willing to admit that we can't solve all of this on our own. And we really have to partner with payers, with providers, with government, with EHR companies, with other technology companies. And in that process, that's where the, the innovation and the solution will come for this industry. And to give you an example, I actually help run a, a venture group or fund inside of healthcare information systems where we invest in companies where we like the innovation, it's aligned with our strategic plan, but there's startups that are maybe taking more risk and, and moving faster than 3M. Uh, I'll give you an example of a company called Collective Medical Technologies right here in Salt Lake that was innovating on a night. We had a similar idea. We had been working on it, but frankly, they were moving faster. So we invested in them and we're now partnering with them in this process. And frankly, I feel like by us working together, we're solving the problem faster for the industry, even though 3M itself isn't going to be getting all of the revenue. Of course, a financially driven company like 3M, that the venture vehicle allows us to invest. And if the company is successful, then we might, you know, down the road be compensated that way. So those are a couple examples of some innovation going on. 
And I love hearing you talk about that innovation. And, and I'm actually excited to go check out the uh, Innovation Museum in St. Paul. It's remarkable, really, how 3M's retained its sense to, of entrepreneurialism in, in such a massive powerhouse company and this mentality and culture of agility rather than being a, a monolithic, slow-moving organization and in bringing health information solutions to the marketplace. With that example of collective medical, it really portrays your innovative thinking and, and willingness to approach innovation in a, a number of different ways. I want to stay on this topic of innovation a little bit longer and ask you how provider organizations should be thinking about new innovations in health information systems. Is there more hype than substance when it comes to some of these new emerging technologies? As I look at the portfolio of 3M, HIS, you mentioned that the purchase of M-modal technology business in order to expand the artificial intelligence capabilities. You've talked about the natural language processing, which, as I understand, is used by more than 1,500 hospitals to process clinical information from EHRs. These are things the health industry is honestly still trying to figure out. So I want to see if you can set our listeners straight or help them with how they think about these newly emerging technologies. As you consider the Gartner hype cycle, which essentially illustrates how new technologies sometimes become highly visible early on, there's a peak of inflated expectations, but over time that eventually settles down into a trough of disillusionment, and then it comes back up to a plateau of modest production gains. Is that a reality we should be expecting? Where are we in that curve, so to speak? What should our expectations be at this point with regard to tech enablement and health value? And so can you tell our listeners how to think more realistically when it comes to things like AI, NLP, and maybe even other things like the Internet of Things and blockchain? Is there actually meat on this bone with leveraging these innovations for value in healthcare? Yeah, I appreciate that topic. That's definitely a topic near and dear to my heart and 3MHIS because we do struggle with all the hype and buzzwords and the inflated expectations and the challenge that hospitals have to face to really sift through all of the noise out there and the rhetoric to try to get something that's more meaningful. So it's, it's a real challenge. And frankly, if I think about blockchain and internet of things personally, the potential is great with those, but I would still put those farther in the future. I think they're very interesting concepts, but still have a lot of development to be realizing real value every day. But when I think about AI and NLP, there are very clear tangible benefits to be gained by the application of those to healthcare. But I would say, just to be honest, it's not likely that AI is going to be replacing human doctors anytime soon, as some may predict. So I, that's where I just want to be clear. We talk about AI, but that doesn't mean we're replacing doctors. You know, a more realistic view and how we look at it is just to consider some of the many ways AI could improve the capabilities of the doctors and the healthcare providers and remove the time they spend on tasks that aren't directly related to patient care. So our mission is how do we free up time for the physicians to focus on the patients? We're not talking about AI to automate you know, physicians, for example. But I'll just give you a couple ideas. It's now fairly widely accepted that AI can outperform the human eye at detecting some anomalies or conditions on radiological images. It can help guide a radiologist to earlier detection of a diagnosis. 
doesn't replace the radiologist. So likewise, imagine a, a rural healthcare provider that can use an AI-based solution to more reliably determine with basic imaging when they should be sending a patient to a more sophisticated hospital for further treatment. Now, if you get to our very specific space in healthcare IT, you could consider the results of saving a provider time with their interacting with the EHR system. That we all know that that's one of the biggest frustrations of doctors is this documentation burden that has been saddled on them in the spirit of better analytics. So in our view, if through the use of speech recognition and natural language understanding, we can reduce the time it takes for them to actually document a patient's care while simultaneously improving the accuracy and the quality of that documentation so they have less rework from their coding functions and their CDI functions and other functions of hospital, the benefits start to add up really quickly. So think about that. We've got, let's say there's 550,000 physicians in the United States. If through the use of AI, we can free up their time that gets used more for patient care, you know, 5% time savings for the doctor is the equivalent of adding 27,500 more providers. A 10% time savings would be the equivalent of adding 55,000 more providers. So that's one way to look at it. But the other one is this physician burnout is a real problem. And we hear the depression and anxiety and suicide rates of physicians going up as a result of this intense documentation burden. So instead of just trying to translate to more patient care, we think a lot of these savings could help keep physicians from leaving practice in general or be more emotionally engaged in the patient and look them in the eye and and try to care for them more holistically. That's a way to have a real impact on the patient's health. I know personally, when I go to the doctor, I've felt rushed over the last few years. I've seen the the stress in the doctors and the less time they're able to spend with me. And personally, I'd love to have a little bit more engagement with them. So those are some hopefully more practical and tangible ways we see AI improving health outcomes. So Dan, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about innovation and Medicare Advantage comes to mind. And I think about a few months ago when we first met and I think you and I had one of the most engaging conversations that I've had in quite a while on Medicare Advantage. And we, I mean, we talked about how American hospitals and medical groups, they're facing financial failure because of COVID and that failure obviously being the suffocated cash flow due to the pandemic and limited medical procedures and in-person office visits. But we also talked about how there might be this reckoning in the commercial insurance marketplace that might open up a door for Medicare Advantage for All. Now, I'm not going to ask you about health policy unless you want me to, but I wanted to ask you about how we could explore this topic of innovation in Medicare Advantage and how advancement and health informatics systems for this population can be leveraged for the bigger whole. For example, when I think about the MA model, what comes to mind with innovation is risk adjustment and prioritization of populations using clinical risk scores and social risk scores and all of that. Now, that's not to say we don't risk adjust and stratify populations in the traditional Medicare ACO programs, but it just seems to me that 
the market innovations are happening more in, in response to the design of the Medicare Advantage risk models because of the tech enablement and the benefit flexibility, enrollment directionality that we're seeing in the market. And of course, the upside margin potential for those products. So all that said, can you expound upon your thinking about how MA plans and health providers can better align on prioritizing and managing care for that senior population. And then with what you've seen in MA, do you think that there's potential for this to become the preferred risk-based payment model in this race to value? I'm glad you brought that up in this topic. And you're right. I will not opine completely on policy here. I, I will say though, and you and I have talked about this, that you know my personal belief, along with many of the colleagues on our executive leadership team is that jumping to Medicare for all is likely too big of a leap for our country. We're too far down a commercial path to just jump on that. If we were starting a country over, maybe we'd think differently, but based on where we are now, and we, we love, by the way, Governor Levitt's view on this, we think that's too big of a leap. Taking Medicare Advantage and Medicare Advantage for more, in our view, is, is likely a, a more logical path to value. And so we're working on tools and solutions to try to help drive and support this. You know, Medicare Advantage is growing at 8% a year. It's, you know, already up to 20 to 25 million members. So it's gaining momentum and we see that continue to gain momentum. Fundamentally behind all of this to make this work is that you've got to have the patient at the center. So if we think about documentation and these other technology examples you've used, a lot of the rules and guidelines have been wired around hospital, you know, they've been hospital-centric metrics, and we need to shift those to patient-centric measures. And so we look at this model as the patient at the center, and then what we need to do technologically is be able to capture a longitudinal view of that patient, having their best interest come in mind. So both from a cost perspective, right? With healthcare costs rising, patients are concerned about rising costs. But of course, most importantly is the care quality. Now, the patient being at the center, you do have to have all three legs of the stool that I've talked about before working and the incentives need to be aligned. And so, you know, we think about the health plan, we think about the hospital and, and care facility, wherever that might be, that could also be in the home or in a Walmart. And then we've got to think about the physician. And it's important that all three of those are working in harmony with aligned incentives. And in my view, the Medicare Advantage HCC model so far is one of the closest views to doing this because you still have commercial health plans. They still have a, a great role to play. You still have opportunity for the hospital to benefit financially if they do things properly and they have the right incentive if they improve the care quality of the patient. And on top of that, we're working on tools to make this easier for the clinician. So underlying all of this Medicare Advantage model is a coding and classification system, what we call HCC management. And this is more industry standard. I think it's simpler than some of the rules we have. And I think there's an opportunity to, as we migrate to this model, to simplify for the physician. And that does come back to one of the reasons why we're innovating and building a, a physician-facing HCC management tool that might be advantageous for both health plans, for providers, and also improve the, the care quality and take costs out. 
that's the hope. And if we take it all the way back to the patient uh, served by the physician, what we're seeing and the reason Medicare Advantage is growing so fast is so far, those plans have resulted in better benefits, better coverage at a lower cost. So if we can continue in that direction, I think that that may be a win or as close as possible as a win for all. Dan, it sounds like 3M Health Information Systems success has been built on listening to the customers you serve, the, the physicians, the providers, the hospitals. And you've talked about collaboration being an important strategy for 3M. And I just want to recognize 3M and your work uh, and your contributions and support of the ACLC. You've been a valuable supporter to us in advancing the knowledge uh, of value-based care competencies. And I, I'd like to ask you if you could share your experiences being a part of the ACLC and why the ACLC has been important for 3M to be involved in. And an extension of that is, what is your thinking about the reskilling and upskilling of the healthcare workforce in anticipation of the value-based care? How should we be thinking about how to reconcile the need for good data-driven business intelligence with having an educated workforce that actually knows what to do with that intelligence to improve patient outcomes. The first part of you just talked about the ACLC and, and your group. And what I would say, we're still, I'd, I'd still view this in the beginning stages with the ACLC, relatively newer, but we just, we, we love the principles it espouses. I've mentioned Governor Levitt and his philosophy, which I think is woven throughout a lot of this, is one of the things I love that he talks about is the need for collaboration and the need to work together. So that's critical. I love that he talks about our need as a country to improve compassion while at the same time doing something that makes economic sense. Uh, you've got to do both. And so that balance between payer and provider, between hospital and patient and physician, and being compassionate while finding a way to make this work in a country like the United States is critical. And we, we love the, your views and Governor Levitt's views on that and how you're approaching the problem. I would also echo that what we hear from the ACLC, which we believe in, is in addition to the partnering and the collaboration, technology is going to play a critical role. And as Governor Levitt's talked about, our version of this drive to value is going to be uniquely an American approach to this, and, and that needs to include innovation and technology, which are some of our great assets as a country. The, the unfortunate part is we haven't evolved the technology in the healthcare system as much as we have in other areas, and that's one of my passions. I feel like all of the best scientists in this country and, and data scientists and AI developers should want to come work for 3M and come work in solving this healthcare problem because it's just so important. And we need the best minds solving this critical problem for our country and for our, our nation versus maybe further optimizing more targeted ads that we might get, you know, as we're on Instagram, for example. But not to put that other piece down, I just am passionate about this side of the business. I do want to just come back to, you, you mentioned the, the, the skill sets. And so collaboration and understanding of technology is key, but I want to come back to the physician. We can't forget the clinician and the physician in this piece. So I've said this earlier, but two-thirds of their time 
today is spent on documentation and it's the worst part of their jobs. If we're really only thinking about the health plans and getting them all the data they need, thinking about the hospitals so they can have all the analytics they need, but then in the process, we've just completely overburdened our physicians so that in order to get them all the data they need, it is going to just drain them emotionally and psychologically and physically. Well, we're, we're not actually solving the problem. So as we think about physicians, we want to use technology to eliminate work for the physician. We want to make this happen behind the scenes and automate more and more so that when they're talking to a patient, for example, much of that documentation can be automated. And a lot of the sorting through all of the rules and the reimbursement rules and the, the clinical quality rules that the payers put, we'd like to have that done by technology with AI behind the scenes. So technology plays a role, but we've got to free up time for, for the physicians in the process. And I think as we do, as payers, as providers and clinicians all embrace this technology together and work for a common goal, I think we have the potential to, to make big improvements in this area. I couldn't agree with you more, Dan. It's really going to take that collaboration with payers and providers, health systems, and then being able to all come together and be empowered by technology. And you really struck me in your comments uh, in, in that last question about having that infinite mindset where you're thinking longer term, where it's not short-sighted thinking about the buzz you can generate from an Instagram post, for example, I think is what you referenced, or even thinking about your quarterly P&L, but thinking about really how to transform the industry. And you know that's the work that we're trying to do within the industry. And I know 3M has that mindset as well. So Dan, in this last question, I, I'm afraid I'm going to have to embarrass you a little bit. And, uh, please forgive me, but a couple of months ago, just thinking about this infinite mindset, one of your colleagues there at 3M posted on LinkedIn an update on his profile, and he talked about Simon Sinek's newest book, The Infinite Game. And he specifically referenced your leadership at 3M as an example of how you keep your eye on the infinite and eternal and for our listeners who haven't yet read this book, let me just go ahead and, and fill them in for a second. But this is a really profound compliment. And in this book, Simon Sinek talks about how the world actually works. And he says, we're all players in games that have no finish lines. And there's actually no such thing as winning. Like winning in friendship doesn't exist. It's collaborative. It's mutually beneficial. Obviously, there's no winning in marriage. I mean, if anyone thinks that, then you know, they're definitely wrong. But he also said there isn't winning in business. And we hear so much from business leaders talking about being number one and being the best and beating their competition. And Cynic says, well, that's not really how the world works. You're playing with the wrong mindset for the game. Uh, if you think it's just win or lose and you have to get past a finite mindset and you have to think about there being an infinite game, because if you have a finite mindset, then you're going to damage trust and you're going to damage cooperation and you're going to hurt innovation. And an organization that does that and doesn't have an infinite mindset actually struggles and eventually will go into declined. When I read this book, I had this realization that this infinite game concept, it really is a world is flat moment in business where a lot of leaders are thinking about, am I, am I thinking about my business in the right way? So I wanted to ask you, how do you approach your work at 3M 
with an infinite game mindset. And can you tell your listeners how finite minded healthcare organizations that have traditionally battled for market share and procedures in the fee for service world, how can they become more infinite in their own thinking as they look to improve long term health outcomes of the population to which they serve? Well, I appreciate you bringing that up and because it is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, as you can imagine, but it's certainly not easy. Those are, those are nice words that Cody might have shared, but I'm not going to pretend that, that I've figured this out, uh, particularly in a, in a corporate environment. We're a public company and I've got to produce quarterly reports and, and monthly reports just like everybody else. And we have all those same pressures. There's no magical solution, but I will tell you personally, I've always been drawn to inspirational leaders who can articulate an achievable, but a meaningful vision that brings out the best in people. And I'll tell you why, you know, some might critique it to say, oh, that's all long-term or it's all fluff. Let's focus on, you know, this month, because if we don't deliver this month's revenue, then we're not going to be around next month. Well, I found in my experience in my career that intelligence and some of these hard job skills, absolutely critical, of course, but they're really table stakes and that most companies have these talented people and they have enough knowledge and they have enough capability to succeed. But what I've seen, what separates the average from the exceptional are the places where employees' hearts and their minds are fully engaged. And when I've found you have hearts engaged and aligned to a combined mission that the team's all working together, the teams perform at different levels. And as we look around our world and we look at successful winning consumer product, or we look at a movie that we love, or we look at a sports team that won. Well, behind every one of those was a high-performing team that found a way to engage the hearts and minds of the people around a common vision. And it was more than just going out and going through the motions. It was something with a higher purpose and a longer-term vision. And to me, that's what I've tried to do or what I aspire to do, let's say, is to really work with people that have more of that philosophy and be part of a team that is working on that. So that's hard to achieve. And look, I'll be honest, you know, right now, 3M overall, we're in a tough spot. You know, historically, we've done very well as a company because of our innovation and our long-term mindset. I think it's, it's a challenge. And so getting out of that short-term cycle like everyone else And I think hospitals are in that same boat. They want to do the right thing for the patients. They want to solve these bigger problems, but they're staring with the reality of losing money, maybe not being around in the future. So I've just always found that focusing on the right thing in the long term is usually what keeps companies around in the long term. And I'd argue that's one of the things that's made 3M stick around for 150 years because we valued that innovation and customer problem solving over short-term profits. Dan, this has really been a a meaningful, inspirational conversation with you. And I just want to thank you so much for all of your responses and your thoughtfulness. And I know that our listeners are going to really value this and come back to listen to it probably again and again. As we finish out this episode, Dan, can you just give us some direction, help our listeners know where to find out more about the innovative work that's being done at 3M Health Information Systems for improving clinical documentation, advancing patient information and value-based care and helping in the race to value? Sure. I would just simply say go to 3m.com slash HIS. That's where you can find 
almost everything you need about our company. But we have webinars, we have podcasts, we have forums for gathering input. Also what we do, and we've worked with the Levitt and ACLC as well, and putting on industry events where we have a small group of thought leaders where we maybe will have people come out to to Salt Lake and get together up in the mountains with a small group. That's my preferred place, by the way, to have one of these conversations. But we really value, and I really value these engaging conversations with industry leaders on the provider and the plan side and clinical side. So we'd encourage anyone that's interested in working with us and partnering with us to reach out to me. I can give you my contact information when you post this as well. If people want to email me directly, happy to, to put that out there and engage with anyone that wants to have these conversations. Thank you for giving me the chance to put that plug in. And I, I appreciate all the work you guys are doing. Dan McMaster, 3M Health Information Systems. Thank you so much for joining us today in this race to value. Thanks so much, guys. Great to be with you.